The one thing about God's presence that God's presence is everywhere. But if it's not tapped into, you won't get the residue. You won't get what you just experienced. And one thing about the presence of God is that when it's collectively tapped into, both the sinner and the saint both know. And so that's why we are leading you guys to understanding more and more what it means to tap in. Because when you tap in, now everybody's settled. Just like what um, Layla prayed, that anxieties and things will go. That's what happens when you tap in. And so it's up to you and I to say, okay, when we have the opportunity to tap into God's presence, let me tap in because I need some things to tap out of me. So no matter what happened last night with your mom, your dad, what happened in your mind last night, when you tap in these moments, man, you get an opportunity for freedom and liberation and, and being set free. So let's turn to page three in our books. We're in our books now, so we're, we're good to go with the curriculum. And as a teacher of this curriculum, man, I'm excited about it because one thing that I've loved and have learned over time when it comes to the Bible, and I know at you guys' age, you guys may not fully grasp the importance of the word of God, but when we get into the gospels, there's something about that. Why do you think the gospels are so significant? Yes. That's right. And why is the imagery and the life lived of Christ so important for our life today? Yes, we're You can resonate with them because you begin to see uh, the betrayals. You begin to see the ridicule. You begin to see the haters in action. And, and when you begin to see how Jesus lived his life and you begin to experience uh, uh, vividly through reading, you'll begin to say, man, I, too, can operate like this. I, too, can have the Christ like mine. I, too, can respond like Christ did. And that's why I love going through the Gospel of John, because the Gospel of John is one of those books that resonates with young and new believers. It's the love book. It's the book where we get the, the most famous scripture, which is what? John 3 what? Which says what? <laughs> so many translations there, but that we'll take it. We'll take it. But yeah, that, that right there uh, is why I'm excited about getting into the book. So please understand there may be some moments where it may not be as interactive and it may not be as fun, but you're high school now. And, and it is my responsibility to incorporate the fun things. So I'm not going to be reading all day in every uh, lesson, but at the same time, I want you guys to tap into a greater level of, of education and, and comprehension because the Bible is not just going to be super book. You know what I'm saying? The Bible is not just going to be veggie tales all your life. Uh, the Bible is not going to be um, even chosen in, in, in the, the passion of the Christ. You have to make it your life and, and begin to create those biblical systems where you read the word of God for yourself, for your health, and ultimately for your wealth in every area of your life. So here are the lesson objectives. We're going to be in lesson one. It's uh, an introduction to the gospel of John. And here are the five lesson objectives. Number one, to show John's place amongst the four Gospels. What are the four Gospels? There we go. Number two, to compare and contrast John with the Synoptic Gospels. Number three, to summarize the primary focus and contents of John. Number four, to highlight the characteristics unique to John. And five, to challenge the students to make practical application of the lessons in this study 
by coming to know and love the real person of Jesus Christ. Do you know that he is a person? And why is it important for us to know that God is a person? Yes. And why is that so important to you for you to make that that claim? Exactly. And so that's why from this moment forward, from this Bible class forward, my goal is to challenge you, not challenge, but to invite you to get to know him because he knows you. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've been facing, God knows. No matter what you are experiencing or what you wish you had, God understands. The Bible says none of us was uh, 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 beaten or, or suffered unto blood. So none of us died for nobody. So imagine the agony of the Christ who these people didn't, didn't even really want him for real. And you still had to die for them. Like, like none of us suffer to that point. So when a person sacrificed, so for instance, Xavier, if someone comes in this room right now and they're out to kill you and they shoot their gun, but I step in the way, I take that bullet to the chest, I die. How would you feel about my life and my family? What, what, what type of sacrifices would you make because I sacrificed my life for you? That's the significance of the real man, Jesus Christ. He was the one that took the bullet that was meant for you. Do you know we were supposed to be on that cross? Like he died the death. Imagine you get caught cheating on your paper, but she gets suspended. Imagine you get in a fight with him, but he gets suspended. The penalty that he took was our fault. So imagine this man dying on a cross and still had the guts, even though his guts was leaking, but he still had enough guts left to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The man that nailed him, the nail in his left hand, he knew him. And the guy, when he crossed over the cross and it nailed his right hand, he still knew him. The one that pierced his side, he knew and he didn't call thousands of angels to come rescue him because he foresaw us in his kingdom. So if that man took the penalty, if that man took the death that we were supposed to die, then my life, you can have it. Just like with Zay, I didn't make Xavier say that. Xavier didn't know I was going to pick him. But the fact that Xavier said out of his mouth that, yo, if I died for him, Hannah would have birthday gifts every birthday. He'll make sure Hannah's good. He'll, he'll, he'll make sure my wife would need grass cut. What do you need? Because this man died for him. So if we vividly see that Xavier would do that for me, who... Who my death in life ain't going to save your sins. What should we do for the man who actually did it for us all? Now, you're now invited to the opportunity and the reality of I got to live for him now. Because the, I think the issue with our Christianity is that 
in the Western world, we don't know what it's like. We didn't see crucifixion. Do you know, you know, we all have the top fives, top three. Do you know crucifixion is the number one worst way to die? Like you're this close to death, but they won't let you die. <laughs> so they beat you 39 times, but they hit you 40 times, you're dead. Nah, we're going to get them close to death and bring them back. The Bible says they beat this man so bad that if his own mama stood in front of him, he was unrecognized. We all seen UFC fights, right? We've all seen someone who got bloop, 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 bloop in the face, right? Face swole. But imagine you being beat so bad that you're swollen. And you still had to carry your own cross until you got to the point you was too weak. Then they still nailed you in your hands. They still nailed you in your feet. And the, and the, and the way to die in crucifixion is what? Suffocation. Suffocation. Why? Because you can't hold so imagine three minutes before you die and you're, you're counting down and, 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 and you have to let it go. To give your, your life to people that won't even be willing to live for it. Man, what kind of love is that? But that's why we got to be very careful because we're in this grace period and 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 we're in in uh in the oceans of his love. And what's the song? Uh what's how does lyrics go in oceans? Um It's something about something about uh anyway, forget it. <laughs> I forgot the lyrics. It was going to play good in the message, but I forgot. But there's coming a day. So for instance, when my daughter is in school. No matter how much I love the, all the children in the school, I'm not picking up everybody. Who am I picking up? My daughter. So right now, God is saying, when I come back, I'm only picking up my kids. And then after the dispensation and, and, and after this is over, there is no, I want to go to heaven now, right? Like God has given us an opportunity because I think the reason why we don't see hell and the reason why we don't see people get struck by lightnings and being like, oh, man, God is judging because we'll go to God for the wrong reasons. But if you come to God with the reality that, yo, you you sent your only begotten son. To save a lost sheep like me. God, here's my life. When I was 19 years old and I've been a Christian, I've been with God. Well, well I was in church since I was six, five years old. Um, my mom, when, uh, I was about to be born, you know, my dad's Nigerian. So, you know, for those who know anything about the African culture, they'll give you some long names. So my, my dad got two thirds of my name, but my mom felt in her spirit that she felt the presence of God come into that doctor's room and said, no, call him Joshua for he'll be a great leader. But my dad got a GK and Ezzy, but my, my mom fought for that Joshua. But when I was uh, three or four years old, my mom said that when she was, uh, uh, you know, my dad left her and whatnot and, and she was smoking and she said, I looked at her and she stopped smoking. Went to church that next day. When I was six years old, the pastor would call me up to read. But around 14 or 15 years old, I got caught up with comparison and because I won all the Christian character awards and, and, and when I was getting in basketball games I would get a, a second team all conference but I always had the Christian characters and then, Christian characters wasn't getting the girls back in the day that, that wasn't a way to raise them up you see what I'm saying and the Christian character awards wasn't what was sought after and so I got a little I don't really know if I want to really live this Jesus life the way it's been told that I would but when I was 19 and I was in my dorm room at Oral Roberts University looking out the window. And, and as people was walking to class, 
the burden of God and my purpose hit me so hard to the point to where I felt him so strong. And this is what God told me. He said, Josh, if you don't fulfill your purpose, what's going to happen to them? I fell on the floor crying like a baby saying, God, here's my life. And that was at that moment at 19 where I was saying, here is my living sacrifice. Here's my life, God. Was I perfect? No. But I said, God, here's my perfect sacrifice because you died for me to give me the opportunity to reach those who are dying. For instance, what's one person in your family you love the most? Can someone tell me? One person. Your little sister. Your little sister's in the ocean. Fell off the raft. Drowning. What you going to do? Why? Now, imagine you on that same boat and she fell off and you have the abilities to swim. You have the abilities to save her, but you stay on the boat and do nothing. How would people view you? How would you view yourself? How should we feel if we're seeing people in our world drowning and we have the Holy Spirit and have the ability to save them, but we don't? So when I know that I've been saved, it inspires me to go save. <laughs> when I know the significance of the gospel, that's what we're going to talk about, and the significance of what it gives me access to, I have to write those books. I have to do those card games. I have to do those YouTube videos, even when I'm tired because there's people dying. So that's why we have no, it shouldn't be a, a, a part of us to sit on our gifts. When you know that the greatest gift has been given, you got to give your gifts because the dying world needs for you to. So let's go ahead and get in our book a little bit and let's read. It says the place of John in the New Testament. One of the four gospels grouped with Matthew, Mark and Luke. John is the fourth gospel in the New Testament. And here's the question it says here. What is the gospel? Who knows what the gospel is? What is his original definition? The gospel. The good news. The good news of what? Mm -hmm. What are the pillars? I'll give it to you. It says the good news, it says uh, the word gospel means good news. The gospel is God's good news concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel is, in, in its original terminology, <clears throat> it's not a biblical word. <clears throat> it was a governmental word. So when someone brought a gospel, they were saying that a king would bring his soldiers coming into a land that was... Uh, uh, um, ruled by an evil man. Well, I don't know who y'all would consider evil in some countries, but let's say if a, if a king and his army goes into North Korea, into a communist dictatorship, and, and they take care of, uh, of the, the, the head of that state, and, and now the people are, are liberated from the overbearing rule of that king. The gospel says, I have good news. You don't have to worry about uh, X, Y, or Z. You don't have to worry about uh, the different governmental pressure. It's a good news. And so what God, the Father, was saying, it was saying that Jesus Christ is the good news, that you no longer have to be under oppression, that you no longer have to uh, fall into these sins over and over again. You no longer have to be uh, 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 sentenced to hell. Most of the people in this room came to God because it was a get-out-of-hell-free card. <laughs> Page three, but I, I'm reading out of the teacher's book, but page three. So a lot of people go to God because they don't want to go to hell, right? 
But the issue is we want to be delivered from hell underground, but what about the hell in your heart? The gospel is more about saving you from you. <laughs> saving me from me. That I no longer have to live in lust or arrogance or pride or whatever things that we have on the inside. We don't have to live by that more. That's the good news. So, for instance, if uh, Khalil, who's your favorite team? Any sport. I did, well, I did this analogy before, didn't I? 49ers. 49ers come to Charlotte. They play in the Carolina Panthers. We did do this. So uh, it won't have that much significance of weight, right? Yeah, so we'll just keep going. What I'm trying to say is, if I paid a payment for him to go see the 49ers, then, but if he doesn't accept that payment, will he see the game? No. No. So the greatest reward is not seeing the 49ers, not seeing the Panthers, or not seeing whoever you want to see. The greatest opportunity is that I get to and we get to behold the one who created us. There's going to come a day when, when my daughter realizes who I am, right? Right now, she wants, see, mama's food right now. I'm fun. So my, my daughter really don't play with me until 830. That's when she wants to play with dad. She wants to have fun. But when I pick her up around feeding time, she don't want me. <laughs> Get off me. I'm like, no, why you don't want me to hold you? Because I don't have the food, right? She, she goes, she wants her mama, right? But it's going to come a time where she's going to be like, yo, that's, that's, that's my father, right? And, and I saw, I saw and, you know, in my TikTok algorithm and my Instagram algorithm is probably different than y'all's. It's a bunch of family stuff. It's a bunch of dad and baby stuff. Because as, as you have a baby, you begin to look up different pages that kind of help you raise a baby. Because I've never been around babies before. I was the only child, right? And so one video that I saw this morning was this dad got on his motorcycle. And he was on his way to work, right? The motorcycle drives off, and come, who comes out the door? His daughter. And she's like this, and she's sad. She goes back in the house. What she didn't know was that he got the notification that the door was open. You saw that one? He pulls back around. She runs out. They hug for like a minute and a half, right? I know that there's going to come a time where I'm going to be that significant to her, my daughter. The thing about you all, the reason why we don't have that exuberance or excitement is because we don't really know how significant the price that was paid for us to have a father. See, I grew up without my dad. Me and my dad are great now, man. He's, I'm about to go see him after work today. Talking business and stuff. So I love my dad. So don't don't what I'm saying now is not indicative of of what he did. But but my dad only married my mom for American citizenship. I was an accident. I wasn't supposed to be here. My dad didn't have plans to have a child. He's one to have a wife and get his paper signed to be able to come into America. At four years old, my dad and my mom divorced because obviously he got American citizenship. And then after that, I, my mom didn't know. And I didn't find out until maybe five years ago that he already was married in Africa. Now I have four sisters and one brother who are not by, well, by blood, but they're not by my mom. He brought the family over. And then guess what he called my brother? Who was the fourth in the family. He called him Junior. So imagine at 12 years old, you're the firstborn, but he's called Junior. So as life go on, as I got older, I was like, man, 
That really wrestled. I mean, that thing was tearing my heart apart because I was like, man, I don't know what it's like <laughs> to have a dad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then when my wife, and y'all heard this story, when my wife found out that she was pregnant, that thing crept back up again because I was like, I don't know what it's like to be a dad. I've never seen a dad before, and now I'm about to be one? You know what that did to me? It drove me to my Heavenly Father. Because one thing God showed me when I was wrestling through those abandonment issues and that fatherlessness, and when God revealed to me, says, Josh, I was always there. <laughs> One thing that I can testify that no matter what stage of my life, my God was always there to father me. And when you begin to see the significance of your heavenly father, then nothing too much will bother you. And right now, y'all at an age where your brain ain't fully developed and, and you guys go by how you feel. And I know some of y'all feel like, man, I wish I had my dad. And no matter how much I intellectually uh, express who he is, you guys go by feeling. That's why y'all at the age right now where y'all don't really listen to your moms and dads or people's logic. Y'all go by how you feel. What I mean by that is, if your mom says, leave that friend alone, but that friend makes you feel accepted, you're going to choose that friend. Nine times out of ten. Because the way that friend made you feel. So right now, my goal is to infuse in these lessons realities, metaphors, stories that will make you feel the significance of a heavenly father so that you will begin to understand what was paid for you to play in his life. And so that's the good news. The good news is you don't have to struggle with fatherlessness anymore. And some of y'all got y'all pops in the house, but it don't mean your pops is being a pops. Some of y'all got y'all mom, but y'all mom ain't mothering. That's why when Jesus was in the, and I ain't going to say that lesson because y'all too young to make that decision. But what I'm saying is this, is that no matter how your home is at the moment, God is like, I'm here. I'm here to father you. You know, you know, every young person, they, they, they hang on their mother's word. They hang on their dad's word. It's understandable because you that's the first line of defense. Like that's the first line of understanding. But anytime you're looking for a good word, whether it's I love you, whether it's uh, that's why every time class is over, I say I love you because a lot of some of y'all never heard. I haven't heard no man say that to you. Some of y'all never heard a teacher say that to you, whether a woman or a man. But imagine when you go to John 3, 16, for God so loved, don't say the world, don't even put the world that put you, for God so loved me, well, I'm teaching now, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. But he paid whether you believed or not. For instance, if I had a birthday party and I invited you all, right? I invited you all to the birthday party and, and I had uh, I purchased all the food all and I was giving everybody a PS5s. <laughs> I was giving everybody PS5s. I was giving all the ladies whatever they wanted. And, but, but, but I didn't tell you that that was on that was on the uh, gift bag list or whatever. Those who come get two PS5. So imagine only five of y'all come. What am I going to do with the rest of the gifts? Oh, well, y'all can have them. Y'all got someone to give it to. <laughs> So the Bible says, whosoever, it don't matter what sin you're struggling with. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He says, whosoever. And so when you understand for God so loved you that he gave, then what you're going to give back to him? 
God doesn't need a get a give back. He don't need you to give it back. But he's saying that should be the automatic response of what someone gives. So if I give. Nariah, can I see your If I give you ten thousand dollars right now, what's the automatic thing you're gonna say? Right. That's that's we all know that, right? If I give now, if I give you ten thousand, she might knock me over the hood. She's like, I'm rich, I'm rich. Put the money on her arm like that, and and, and all that stuff. What else, y'all young people do? With y'all money, put the money, the money bag, the money uh, phone thing, whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> She'll be excited. Do you know if I gave you ten million dollars, it would not be equivalent to what God gave you through His Son. So that significance should say, you know what? So what is this gift that I was given? So that makes it good news. This is good news. Good news is that Christ died for my sins. Number one, Christ died for my sins. Why is that good news? He paid the price for my sins. If I killed somebody and someone went to jail and whatever, man, whoa, I don't have to suffer the penalty. Do you know all of us was deserving of hell? Like, like, like all the fire and all the gnashing of teeth, like, like, like I was on that track, like, and you saved me from that. And you saved me from the penalties of my sins. That's something to shout about. That's something to be excited about. Yo, I don't have to pay the price for my sins. All of us are wicked, evil, sinful people. And he still paid for it. So when you understand, man, oh, that sin I did last night or last week or what I thought the other day and what I did, whatever the thing, sin that you had, he paid for it. That's good news. <laughs> that, that, you paid the price for the penalties of my sin. Number, Christ was buried for my sins. <laughs> And Christ rose again on the third day. That's good news. That he died for my sins. Was buried. So and rose again. Some of y'all might not understand this, but I'll, I'll, I'll pick legend for this. And, 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 and I'll use this analogy with him. So if OTL, right, is the brand, right? Um, if I wrote you a check to invest in your business right now for 20 grand. What's going on? Okay, we're trying to get a house. Maybe, maybe down the road we try to get some I put $20,000, I write you a check. What are your expectations of that check? Um, well, you go into the bank and what, what do you expect? What do you expect? And I expect to get some money. Like, you know. Now imagine I write you a check for $20,000. You go to the bank and they say, sir, this man don't got it. <laughs> you will feel what? Oh, sad. Because you was excited. Oh, 20 grand, I ain't never held 20 grand before. But what if I wrote you a check for two mil? You go to the bank and that thing clears. And you go to you, you log into your bank and that thing says two million. How would you feel? Shoo. Shoo. <laughs> you can't say a word. You have no words to say. The fact that Jesus rose means that the check cleared. That means that I don't have to worry about the penalty. So the good news is this, and we'll, we'll get into the book on Thursday. But I wanted to give you this introductory lesson to let you know how much of a blessing it is to be saved by a living God. And that good news should inspire you to spread that good news through your giftings and talents. Any thoughts, comments, questions? Everybody's good?
All right, we're done for the day. So we only got like 20 seconds.